Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Thank you, Roger, for opening up the way he did. Uh, I come with the answer. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Uh, the answer's in the book. Yeah. It, it ain't my answer. It's the answer. Right. Uh, I don't know any other answer, but uh, I've talked to three or four pastors over the last couple weeks. I've talked to a few preachers over the last couple weeks, and I keep getting the same answer. How'd church go? Nobody moved. Uh, How'd church go? Preached hard. Nobody moved. Great message. Nobody moved. Uh, And Roger mentioned, he said, you know, we need to go out. The job is to go out and bring people in. But we can't go bring people in if we ain't moving in the first place. That's the problem with the church today. Uh, uh, I sat through the uh, the meetings last weekend. I, I've sat through a meeting uh, Wednesday night. And it's the same message over and over again, and I don't have anything new. But um, I believe God's trying to open up the church and wake us up a little bit. Uh, verse twenty says, "Wisdom crieth without; she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the, uh, she crieth in the chief place of concourse." In the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? Turn you to at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not at my counsel, and with none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the, turn, for the turning away of simple of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of the fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. And that's all we're going to read. And, and that's the answer. The answer tonight is plain and simple. If we would hearken unto the voice of the Lord, He will respond. He will give us safety. He will give us prosperity. And I ain't talking about worldly prosperity. I'm talking about what Roger was talking about. He will grow the church. He will grow the spirit of the church. He will bring people in. But we don't move as a church today. We come to church. We fulfill the obligation of being at church, but we refuse to move when God says move. You see it time and time. It ain't just this church. It ain't just my church. It's the church age that we're living in. We've gotten lazy on God. We don't want to do anything for God. We refuse when He calls and says, I need you to do this. We say, not today, God. It's not convenient. It says right here that, therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. If that isn't us today,
pray. I don't know what is. We are filled with everything else. I got this morning. Uh, I heard the same. Type, the message come this morning was out of completely somewhere different, but it's the same message. We've got bass boats. We've got luxury vehicles. We've got bigger homes than we ever needed, and we ain't got time to do anything for God. He talked about it. There's times that you could be handing out food. You could be handing out tracts. You could be doing all these things, but we're so caught up in our own devices that God can't move. We won't let Him move. And we don't want to know what it feels like if He does move. We've gotten into a place where as a church world today, we're complacent with just showing up to a building. It ain't the building that's going to get us anywhere. It, you can paint the walls 15 times a year. And if the Spirit of God ain't free to move, it ain't going to matter. It doesn't matter that you're here if you're not willing to say, Use me, Lord. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me be a willing vessel for you. Let me put all of my stuff aside for just a moment and let me be used by you. But instead, we show up to church every week doing the same thing. Lord, if you'll let me out of here, now's a prime example. The pastor's on vacation, so half the church is on vacation because He's going to be what gets me there. That ain't what's getting me to heaven. It ain't never been what's getting me. I got a lot of faith in the man that stands behind this pulpit, but He'll fail me and He'll tell me, I'll fail you if you watch me long enough. But the one that I'm serving... He's watching me just because Tommy's on vacation. The one that I'm serving is still looking over me saying, Are you there? Are you doing your part? Are you fulfilling your place in my church? Not in New Providence, in the church of the living God. Are you doing your part? And I have a problem with saying that we are. A lot of us, we'll sit in church and we'll, Amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. And then God will say, do something. Yeah. God, you ought to use somebody else tonight. <laughs> Lord, the pastor ain't here patting me on the back. We ought to be using somebody else. It don't work like that. It ain't ever going to work like that. We have to be willing. I'll tell you a story. Last week, um, we had something happen at our church that to the world would say, this doesn't happen. But we had a boy come in last Sunday morning that's homeless, been sleeping in a truck up above our church and uh, he's been eating out of our blessings box for about a month. And and the little old man that lives right down the road from us goes to church with us. And he said, "I seen him on the road." And I said, "I said." He said, "Way, well, how you doing, buddy?" He said, "Looking for a way to change my life." He said, "I'll make you a deal." He said, "You meet me right here Sunday morning. You go to that little white church right there, and I know the man that'll change your life." Yeah. I watched that boy sit in church. And he was sitting over there, and every word through Sunday school, his eyes were focused. All the way through service, every song that was sung, his eyes were focused. But then the church moved. Yeah. Then I saw a man that is a dedicated church member, there every Sunday, there doing his part, mowing the yard, doing this, doing that, hit the altar and said, Lord, forgive me. Right. He said, I had to get down and repent for me not being willing to stand up in church and brag on Jesus. For me not being willing to give my testimony. For me not being willing to do something outside of my comfort zone. Now this is a man that mows the yard, that helps do this, helps do that. He does everything you could want in a church member. But he said, I haven't been doing my part as a Christian. And he moved. Then I seen somebody else come running up to the altar and said, I had to get right. I've been sitting in church doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, 
I seen something out of the corner of my eye. It was that homeless boy come crawling out of that pew and he said, he patted the old man on the, on the leg and said, I got to get up there. I got to get up there. See, the church moved. The church done what it was supposed to do. The church followed after God and then the sinner followed after God. The problem is the world is not the problem. It's the Christian that's the problem that we're not following God enough that makes the world say, I want to do that. I want some of that in my life. We've got Christians coming to church every Sunday and when we go to work on Monday morning, they ain't a word said about how God moved in church Sunday. Somebody looks at you and says, you go to church? Yeah. I see it. You tell me, if I walked up to you on a Sunday morning, you ain't been in church in a month of Sundays, and I said, yeah. Does that encourage you to go? It doesn't work like that. But if I go to them and go, let me tell you about the message. Let me tell you what the preacher preached. Let me tell you about the little girl that said, I got a song to sing. I got something to do. We went and visited a church a couple weeks ago and my little girl said, I got three songs I'm going to sing when I get there, Daddy. She got up and I said, I said, how about we settle for two? She said, I got three songs to sing. Then we got back to church that night and the lady said, I went home. As soon as I got home, I said, I told my husband, we had a little girl come and sing for us at church this morning. He said, oh, that's good. She said, no, no, not Jesus loves me in little Bible story songs. She sung the real ones. He said, ooh, I like that. See the difference? Ooh, I like that. Why is that? Because somebody moved in the church and somebody went home and bragged about it. And then the world changes around them. We look at the church age today going, why ain't they here? Why ain't they doing anything? Why ain't I doing something to get them here? Why ain't I doing my part on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, Wednesday? Heaven forbid we have a revival that lasts more than three days in this age. If that happens, you're completely out of my comfort zone. I can't put my stuff aside that long. Now You ain't going to like it, but I've been excited about preaching all day. I, they, I had a preacher friend text me today said, praying for you. I said, good, because I'm excited about preaching. Yeah. Why is it? Because this is what has to be heard. It's what has to go out in a world today that we think everything that matters is my worldly goods and everything that I have going on around me, my family and all the sports and everything else they want to play. And then we go, I wonder why my kids are dying and going to hell. Because last week... Basketball was more important than the church house. This in the summer, baseball is more important than the church house. Why are your kids going and dying, dying and going to hell? Because we ain't getting them in God's house. And when we do get them here, it's like a morgue. Nobody wants to move. Nobody wants to do anything. I think it was even said, lively bunch. This is not a funeral home. That's the last thing that somebody ought to be able to say. We ought to come to church saying. Praise ye the Lord. I get to come to your house. I get to fill your spirit. Because I assure you, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If we come looking, He will bless. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. All the way back to Adam and Eve. That's how it's worked. But we come to church looking for the dinner bell to ring. Looking for... I hope he don't keep me late. I'll tell you, I'm already late. My church starts at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. I'm already out late, and I'm okay with that. Why? Because I've been excited about preaching. I've been excited about coming to church. I didn't come to church to hear, boy, we're a lively bunch. I come to hear somebody say, I got something to do for Jesus. Amen. 
it's going to work. When, when they let them out of, the, out of uh, Egypt and they got into the wilderness and they stayed all that time and, they, and everything happened and Moses died. And then they go on and Joshua dies. And then when they get there, what's it say about that following generation? It says they followed after the gods of the people around them. What's it say about this generation? It says that if we don't let the Spirit of God move inside of us, they'll follow after the gods of other people. They'll look at our God and say, He's not very alive. He's not doing anything in their life. He's not, he's not worthy of praise. He's not worthy to be bragged on. Nobody lifts Him up when I come to church anymore. So evidently, He ain't that good of a God. Let me go see what these people are talking about. I met a lady yesterday that handed me a little a business card and said, come by our place. We've got crystals and we've got all these things and they just help you. You got people worshiping rocks and sharing that to the world and I am serving a living, risen Savior and I won't tell nobody. And I won't even come to his house and say, let me tell you about him. Let me remind you of who we're serving. And if we're in that state, what did he say? He said, there's going to come a day that you'll call for me and I will answer. I'm going to move in your church service and you're going to refuse to move. You're going to refuse to heed. The altar's got dust dried on it now because the tears can't be found. And then you're going to call me when the times get hard. You're going to call on me when you can't figure your way out anymore. And then what are you going to do if I don't answer? We're living on a very near edge of an age of church that we ain't going to even know who to call out to him. There, there is a few saints of God that are still living that know how to shout, know how to praise Him, know how to pray to Him, that we ought to be clinging to them, saying, teach me what you know. Teach me how you got to this place. Teach me how you understood that. Show me how you brought that out in the Word. I want to know that. Why? Because I want to be able to stand up in God's house, throw my hands in the air, and say, I don't care who's looking, I'm here to praise Jesus. Amen. But we ain't there anymore. We're, we're to the place now where if I get excited, Zach might not like me anymore. Zach's kind of quiet. And if I start shouting, I wonder what he'd, would he want to sit next to me next Sunday? These people think I'm crazy if I shout over Jesus. These people ain't going to matter. There's coming a day when we stand before Him and He's going to say, this is what you have done and this is what you have not done. Give me your reason. And you know what we're going to say? Amen. We're going to say, you're absolutely right, God. I've refused you. I've chosen to chase after world fame. I've chosen to chase after money. I've chosen to chase after friendships. I've chosen to chase after what everybody else is going to think about me. Yeah. Instead of just not being afraid to praise you and to lift your name up so that my kids could see it. So that my grandkids can see it. So that they know there is a God in heaven who will answer you when you call, who will help you in a time of need, who is there at our beck and call. 
Do you understand that? I mean, the minute you get your heart sincere with God, you say, Lord, I need help. Yeah. He says, let me just start fixing that. He may not always fix it the way we want it fixed. He may not fix it the way that I had planned. And that's the problem. Most of the time we come to pray and we already got our mind up on this is what I'm going to have done. God, I want to pray to you to do it just this way. And he says, I ain't going to give you that. And then we say, well, I'm just going to hump up like a bullfrog and sit in church every Sunday and not say a word about you because you don't do it my way. I've been put in a place in the last few weeks that I have never been in before. Don't know that I'll ever be put there again and don't know that I'll end up going anywhere. But Harmony Baptist Church has been my home for nine years. I have sat in that church for nine years. I've loved that church with everything in me. And God said, I might have something different for you. I might have a better plan for you. And you know what my answer is? Lord, why don't you leave me sitting on that second pew? Why don't you leave me sitting right where I'm comfortable? Why don't you leave me doing what I'm comfortable doing? I ain't good enough. I ain't ain't studied up enough. I'm a novice. I cannot do this. And he's saying, but what if I have something else in plan? And you know what I've gotten to the point of doing for the last three weeks? Praying and saying, God, if you'll send me, I'll go. If you'll do it, I might run scared to death, but I promise you I'll go. And if we'll stay that way, if I'll stay that way, I've got four kids that depend on me to stay that way. We were talking in the parking lot. He didn't even have a clue what I was coming in here with. It is. I have to be a rock of salvation. I have to be something they see God in because they depend on it. They have to know if I'm not that, everything in this world is telling them that He ain't real and that He ain't good enough and that he's, that well, I'm crazy. I'll guarantee you they'll go to school and if they say my daddy's a preacher and he preaches out of the King James Version Bible and he stands on what it says, somebody will look at him and go, your daddy's crazy. Your daddy don't know what he's talking about. Your daddy's uneducated and unlearned. He needs to catch up with the times. That's what they'll hear. So I have to be a rock. Not for me, because he saved me on August the 31st, 2014. Said, son, no matter what at this point, you're coming home. One way or the other. You may come home filthy, dirty, nasty, and stand before me just as guilty as can be, but you're going to come home. But I've got kids that ain't got to that point yet. So not for me that I have to be a rock of salvation. Joshua told them and told them of all the stories. But if you know, if you catch something there, they started telling them about it rather than living it. So when they got to the point they were standing on their own, they didn't know about the manna. They didn't know about the rock with water in it. They didn't know about what they had overcome. They just heard the stories of it. One day... We're going to come to church. We're going to say, God, I've sat here for months. I ain't moved. I ain't done nothing. I've refused to do anything for you. Why can't I hear you? Why can't I feel you today? Lord, I need to feel you. Why can't I feel you? And I am so grateful that He is long-suffering. And He is merciful And He is gracious. And there's been times that I've sat in church going, Lord, why don't I feel You? Lord, where are You at? Why is everybody else crying and shouting? Why am I the one sitting here dried up like a gourd? Can't feel 
feel the presence of anything in my life. And then all of a sudden he comes and sits down beside me. And says, I haven't left you yet. I'm still here. And then you get to feel those, I call joy tears just pouring down your face. You get to say, you're still with me. You're still there. But how far are we going to push that? How far are we willing to go Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, the same message being preached in every church that I know of in this area? How do I know? Because I've checked with them. And it's the, it ain't the same, it ain't Proverbs 1, verse 20 through 33, but it's the same message. We got to quit sitting. It's time to start doing. It's time to start coming to life. It's time to get out of our comfort zone and say, God, what would you have me to do? How long has it been since we've laid right here and said, I'm not getting up until you bless me. I'm not getting up until I feel you move on me again. But so often, and I ain't saying we don't, we come up here and we pray. We pray, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I need you need you in my life here. I need you to work this out for me. Need, need, need. And we never come up here and say, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for working in my life. Thank you for all the things you've done. Thank you for the children you've gave me, the wife you've gave me, the family you've gave me, every blessing that you've poured out on me. I just want to thank you. Amen. And then lay there and just wait for him to show up. Because that's what he says. I will dwell amongst the praises of my people. You start thanking God, he starts showing up. Right. Yeah. How long has it been since I've been there? Since you've been there? From here to the back door all the way up to the sound booth. How long has it been since we've laid on an altar saying, I need your presence. Yeah. I need you to move on my life. I need to feel your presence in my life. My house needs to feel your presence. My church needs to feel your presence. But God, let it start with me. And lay there until God moves. And say, I ain't getting up until you bless me. Says, who was it? Walked in the Bible with a lamp the rest of his life. Because he fought with God all night and said, I ain't going to let go until you bless me. Instead, we cover five minutes of prayer and we walk back out the doors and saying, I done my part. That ain't what he wants. That ain't what the church in America needs. That's not what the lost world around us needs. That's not what my kids need. Her kids, those kids, we don't need that. We need somebody crying out to God and saying, I'm willing to do whatever it is you tell me to do. I'm willing to stand up and make a fool of myself. If God says run the pews, run the pews. Why? Because when I was eight years old, I remember men doing that. Eight years old. I'm 39 now. Why do I remember that? Because they were what showed me God was real. They were the ones that left a testimony in my life going, I don't know what that is, but I want that. I want that. You see men of God get up here Sunday after Sunday pouring their heart out saying, Please don't go out those doors in the same condition you're sitting here now. Please get right with God. Please let God do something in your life. And we sit and we, amen, preacher. Amen. See you next Sunday. That's the state we're in. And God and every preacher in this country is begging for you to be different. 
Because why? The preacher can't fulfill his job if you won't listen. The preacher can stand up and preach on deaf ears, but in order for the world to be changed, the church has to respond to the gospel. We have to respond to the gospel. We can sit Sunday after Sunday and do nothing, and it's not going to change anybody around us. But if the call is made, come, let me do a work inside of you. Come, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Let me have your problems, and then you will be able to shine your light to everybody in this world. Then we can see the change. That young man I told you about, I'm just going to tell you just how God works and then we'll close. That young man came to church Sunday morning. He hit that altar crying. He got up and we said, you got anything to say? He said, I just want to thank God for saving me. I leaned down beside him and I said, let me tell you something. And I'll tell you this even better. I laid down beside him and I said, let me tell you something. Don't you get up with your head held low thinking that you ain't as good as anybody in this church. I said, I come down a rotten, filthy sinner the day I got saved. I said, I ain't no different than you are. I said, God done things in my life that I don't even deserve and He has blessed me. I said, but I was as rotten and low down and dirty the day that I hit that altar as you are. Don't you dare get up from here with your head down. You get up holding your head high and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. I said, you go around and hug everybody. He went around and hugged everybody in the church. He went home, come back to church that night. He saw Seans at 5 o'clock. He walked in, come to church, sat there. He said, boy, I just love this. I love this. Everybody's hugging him. Everybody's hugging all over this boy. We said, hey, we're going to at least put you up in a hotel room. We're going to go get you some clothes. Is there anything you need to go get? He said, nope. Everything I got's right here on me. He said, I got two pair of pants. I wear them. He said, I try to fool people by swapping them out when I go places. He said, but that's all I got. I got two shirts and a hoodie. That's all I got. He said, I take it everywhere I go because I don't want to lose it. I said, that's fine. I said, we're going to take you to Walmart and get you some clothes so you can have some clothes to go to work in, some clothes for church, whatever you need. He said, okay, I appreciate that. We said, we're going to go back here and load you up with food out of the food pantry. We're going to have you set. And I said, now, what our church does is everybody that gets saved in our church, we go and we buy them a Bible and we put their name on it. And I said, we put your, your name in there and we put the day that you got saved in that book. And I said, so I need to know how to spell your last name. So I'm writing Brady... And he says, Holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. And I said, okay. And about the time I got to the Y, he said, my original name was Suttles. I just stopped writing. I looked at him. I said, your name's what? He said, my original name is Suttles. I said, do you realize you're standing in about six of us? Yeah. He said, huh? I said, I'm a Suttles. She's a Suttles. He's a Suttles. She's a Suttles. She was a Suttles and she got married. And he said, well, my mama's name was Jessica. My dad had a niece named Jessica that was on drugs for years. She had a little boy that was two years old that was found in a hotel room by himself with needles all the way around him. He's been passed from foster home to children's group homes all of his life. He's 27 years old. And he said, I've always wanted to know who my family was. And God not only saved his soul that morning, but he brought him to a church that he's standing there and his family standing around him and ain't a body in that church got a clue about it until he said, my last name's Suttles. Mom said, how about you just go home with us tonight? Yeah. Guess where he's at? On an air mattress at my mom and dad's house. 
And I went by and checked on him. He got in a motorcycle wreck yesterday at work. He's working with some boys. This old boy had a crotch rocket. And he said, man, I'd like to buy that if I could get the money together. He said, well, why don't you test drive it? He went right down the road and threw a barbed wire fence. I said, guess you ain't buying that one. He said, well, I did whether I wanted it or not now. But he's laying at home with road rash. And he said, left, dad left for church more. He said, will you tell my church family that I love them? And will they pray for me? Yeah. Me and Ashley stopped by there on the way. About three quarters away here, I got a text message that said, thank you guys for stopping by. I love you guys. And I love that you stopped by and seen me. And I say that to say this. The church moved first. Amen. If we didn't move that morning, that little boy would have walked right back out them doors and went back to his truck and said, that guy don't know what he's talking about. Because, see, it took the church moving in order for God to make his way through and sit down in that little boy's lap and say, son, you wanted to change your life right there. It's where you do it. Amen. Had the church not moved, had we refused that morning what God had in plan. And I'll tell you this, our pastor stood up. He said, boy, I'm I'm itching to preach. We're going to do Sunday school. No, we ain't doing Sunday school. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then finally he just said, nope, we need to do Sunday school. Just like that. And for anybody that knows our pastor, that doesn't happen. He likes to talk a lot. But just like that, he said, nope, we're going to do Sunday school. And I had had two different scriptures on my heart. And I thought, boy, that's going to be a good Sunday school lesson. And I got up there and God flipped a switch. And I preached my guts out for about 45 minutes. And I thought, what in the world is happening here? And all of a sudden, I seen that faithful, dedicated church member come out of that pew and hit that altar and start crying. Then when he done it, somebody else in the church come. Then next thing you know, somebody else in the church come. Then God moved on the sinner. Yeah. Then God drawed the sinner. But it takes the church moving. Yeah. It takes the church being willing to say, I ain't afraid of what anybody thinks of me. I don't care if I hit my face up here and I cry out to God. Everybody in this church says, I wonder what they've been doing. Wonder what they've had their nose in that they didn't belong in. If, it, if we can get to the place that we fall on our face and say, I don't care what anybody behind me thinks. This is between me and God. And I want this fixed because my children depend on it. I want this fixed because i got lost people sitting in my church that depend on it. If we'll get to that place, if we'll get to the place that we're so willing to be just like Jerry, and every service he walks in doors, thank God I'm saved. Glad I'm saved. Thank God Jesus found fit to save a man like me. Worthless, no good for nothing, lost sinner, drunk, womanizer, everything you want to think of, I've been there. And I thank God every day that He come by my my way on Sunday morning and the church moved. Had a lady, we walked in for Sunday school. And had we done what everybody thought we should do, we'd have went to Sunday school that morning. But instead, a lady walked in and said, Preacher, i got a song I need to sing. See, most people, when you ask them, they say, I got saved at about 11.30. Mine didn't make it that far. Mine was about 10.30. Because somebody overrode Sunday school and church religion, and they said, Nope. Preacher, i got a song to sing. She got up and sung, Do you know how it feels? And something moved inside of me and said, Son, I've got what you're looking for. And I knew that voice. I had never heard him until that day. But in that moment, because the church moved, he moved. And he said, I've got something better for you. Here's everything you've got. This is what you hold your hope in. And it's all going to vanish. See, the things that we get in our way where he talks about 
They shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. All that's going to burn. All that amounts to nothing in the eyes of God. And yet it's the one thing that takes us away from Him. It's the one thing. The Bible says that how do you know that you have been born again? Because you take His commandments and you follow. Has anybody read the first one? The first one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Have no other gods before Him. How's your lake house? How's your boat? How's your kids' baseball tournament? How's everything else that we're putting before God's house? Because, see, it ain't the house. It's the God in the house. Amen. It's the one that says, fail not to assemble yourself together, as some have and have fallen away, even more as you see the day approaching. Anybody seen Israel? Day's approaching. Even more so, we should be coming together. Even more so, we should be having revival. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Even more so when you see the day approaching. It's all we can do to get us here on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Heaven forbid we ask you to be here on a Wednesday night. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I believe we're in a place of a church today. We need to answer when he calls. We need to cry out to him. Not only that, I believe we're in a place where some churches are sitting going, God, why aren't you answering us? We've called and we don't hear you yet. Have you left us? There's a woman in the Bible named her son Ichabod and said it's because the Spirit of the Lord has left. She was talking to Israel. happening in churches across the world right now. People are crying out saying, God, have you left us? And he's saying, I've asked you service after service. I've asked you, I've called you to come. I've begged you to come talk to me. I've begged you to praise me. I've begged you to brag on me. I've begged on you to tell your testimony. But instead, we've sat right here. Now you come looking for me. Now you seek me early. And that's how it is. When the, when the trouble first starts, then we run to Jesus. And he's saying, answer me now while I may be found. Come to me now while I may be found. Or go back out those doors. And maybe he never asked you. So I ask you to get some. If anybody needs him tonight... Uh, there is no better time. Matter of fact, it says, uh, I have heard it quoted for years that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. It actually says, now is the day of salvation. Because you're not promised the rest of the day. Now is the day of salvation. If you have trouble, now is the time to get it taken care of. If he's telling you to do something, now is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there may not be enough.